Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 13 called El Shane. So today I'm talking to my new friend and a huge presence on social media. She goes by the handle El Shane's World. She has almost 100,000 followers on Instagram. She is a fashion stylist by day, a blogger by night, mommy 24-7, bi-coastal, NYC and LA. And she describes herself as if Carrie Bradshaw were a mom. So if you haven't checked out her Instagram posts, definitely go there and look at these adorable pictures of her three-year-old who's named Sunday. And you will notice also that Elle Shane is pregnant and she is going to have her second baby any day now. So I went to her apartment a couple of weeks ago and she told me all about her secondary infertility story and how she went through IVF. So without further ado, this is Elle Shane's infertility story. Okay, so we are rolling. So hi, thank you so much for doing this today. I can't wait to hear your story. I know you've written about it, but I love to hear it in your own words as well. So thank um, you. First of all, I want to talk about just you as a person and growing up did you always want to be a mama did you always want to have kids I never really pictured that far in advance in my life like I never pictured my wedding gown and I never pictured my wedding and I I mean I guess I I always wanted to be married and have children Mm -hmm. but I never I was never like I want to be a mommy when I grow up so I just felt, I was always just looking a few years ahead of myself at the time. Okay. And you grew up in New York, you said, I did. Right? Okay. Yes. So how did you and your husband meet and get together, and when did you guys know that you wanted to We met, um, we met, we went to Lehigh University. Okay. We met in college. We're college sweethearts. He is a few years older than me. We dated um, throughout college, and then we broke up for about five years after we graduated. He was living in China, and I was living in New York, and then he was living in LA, and I was living in New York. So okay, um, a little bit of a spread there. Yes, like, we had uh, we had the top. highs and lows. Yeah, but we were meant to be, and we somehow found each other and got back together, and that's what got me to LA mm-hmm. there for him. And I think the second I moved there was when I really got excited about, you know, getting engaged and Mm -hmm. getting married and the thought of having a child. So that's when it all came down. Okay. Had you guys talked about having kids, like, before you got married and were you on the same page? We were on the same page. We both uh, had a really beautiful picture of marriage. Both of our parents were married and, you know, had kids and cousins. So we we always saw, like, a really positive light behind that. So what happened when you guys started to try for the first baby? We started to try for our little baby Sunday, who's now three years old. And within three months, um, we were pregnant. Okay. We, I didn't use any of those um, sticks, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, ovulation sticks. Kits. Kits. Yeah. I felt I'm a... I I felt it was too robotic. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to uh, be tied down to a stick of telling me the exact moment of... It was stressing me out. So, yes, I kept the... I knew the windows that I could try in, but I I wasn't a slave to those, like, those sticks and all of that. Okay. And it worked for us. Yeah. It it made it no pressure. It made it 
as fun as it possibly could be. Right. And we had a beautiful pregnancy. Good. We had a textbook, like, you know, happy, healthy, very minimal uh-huh. issues. Did you find out what, what the gender was going to be, or was it? Yes, you did. we did. Okay. Okay, so how did you come up with the name Sunday? I love that. It's so cute. Thank you. Yeah. I always dreamed of having a daughter and uh-huh. naming her Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Um, I just, it was, it's a happy name. Mm-hmm. I love to enjoy my weekends. Okay. Sunday is such a, for me, is such a great day mm-hmm. where I can relax, hang out with friends. I like to maximize a Sunday and go mm-hmm. all through the night instead of, Spend half the day worrying about my week ahead so of me. So you don't get the Sunday scaries like I, most other people. I have a problem with the Sunday scaries. Like I, th- I find it to be so upsetting oh, because yeah. people are wasting a beautiful day worrying about another day. I like that. It's yeah. really pessimistic in my mind, and yeah. it's like it's. It's very upsetting to okay. me. Okay, and you're yeah. such a positive person. I'm very just, positive. I can tell from your Instagram and just your aura, you know. Like <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so you had her. The delivery was good and yes, all that stuff. Yes, I had. It was just like, it was great. The whole experience was great. I delivered her one week early. Um, everything went very well. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy, happy baby girl. What's your favorite part of being her mommy? I just love watching her be herself and taking on the world in uh, through Sunday's eyes. Mm-hmm. I think that she has absorbed a lot of my husband and I, but I also think that she has an unbelievable mind of her own and watching her navigate the world is just mind-blowing to me. Cool. Okay. So then when it came to baby number two, you said that you started trying like a month after Sunday turned one, I believe, right? Yes, a month so, before Sunday turned I'm one. Sorry, a month before, yeah. I was ready to start trying when she was like, you know, six, seven, eight months old. Really? I just, I grew up with a brother who was six years older, uh-huh. and we were very close when we were younger, and we're still close, but I just have always envied the siblings who are very close mm-hmm. in age and the difference in a relationship that okay. those siblings have. And I wanted to give that to Sunday. So mm-hmm. I wanted the two under two so badly. Like, <laughs> I love it. it seems that every, you know, one of my friends and everyone I know had. I wanted that. Mm-hmm. So we tried for the two under two. And within two or three months, again, we were pregnant, just like Sunday. And this time, it just didn't follow the same path mm-hmm. as, as Sunday's pregnancy. Okay. So what happened? You went in to hear the heartbeat, right? We went in to hear the heartbeat at six weeks. We were fine. The baby was, the baby was like, they actually said that it was looking a little smaller, but the the heartbeat was there and strong and everything was fine. And the next step was to come back at eight or nine weeks Mm -hmm. and check again. Mm -hmm. So basically we went through that whole first trimester um, of doctor's appointments and by uh, just shy of 11 weeks, we lost the heartbeat. So we had a DNC mm-hmm. and and I actually got a blood clot from the DNC. So the healing was a little bit longer, but... How did they, yes. how did you figure out you had a blood clot? The, when they were doing the DNC, they noticed that there was one particular area that was really hard for them to remove. Okay. So they kept trying and trying and trying. And they basically said... Uh, this is going to have to work its way out on its own. Okay. And uh, we'll keep monitoring it, but okay. the more we keep digging at it, the more likely you could have, like, a scar tissue, which is not what we want. So right. they left it alone, and they uh-huh. said the body will do 
it's uh, what the body does and okay. release it on its own. Okay, and that's what happened? Yes. Wow, that's mm-hmm. interesting. So you wrote this amazing blog post about this, and I want to quote something that you said because I thought it was just so well said and so interesting the way that you worded it. So you wrote, I could write a lengthy tale of emotions on this topic, but truthfully, aside from the utter shock and disappointment, I was okay with it in terms of the having a miscarriage. I knew the statistics of how common miscarriage was, and I was so thankful for how happy and healthy our little Sunday was. So I felt this was a rite of passage for our family's next step, sort of a, we got so lucky with the first, it was written in the stars that we would have to pay for it somehow mentality. So tell me a little bit more about that. I thought that was a really interesting perspective. Thank you. Uh, that's truly how I felt. Yeah. Um, of course, I was, and my husband too, we were crushed with the miscarriage, but we felt so lucky to have Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we just, I don't know, I feel like in life when you have such luck in some places, you can't be graced with luck in every step that you turn. And you can't appreciate the highs without the lows. And I I knew that it was expected that there, that bad things happen all the right. time. And I was prepared to handle this. And I knew that it was common. And I was not going to let it defeat us. So okay. it it just felt like... A, a natural rite of passage as a mother who right. was trying to have babies. Like, okay, I had a miscarriage. Yeah. Now let's try again. And did you have friends who had had them and were you I had open about it? I had a few friends, and this was three years ago now, or just shy, it was about two and a half years ago when this happened, and mm-hmm. no one was talking about it. Right. It, like, I, I remember one of my friends had briefly mentioned it about a year before, and I didn't really harp on it because she just kind of said it in passing, so I didn't mm-hmm. want to pry. And then, of course, once it happened to me, I called her up and we talked about it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm just I'm confused why people don't yeah, talk about it. I feel like it. a lot has changed, even in the last year. I agree. Because when I was going through it, it was like four years ago now, and it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't find any podcasts I couldn't find any good books I was just like fledgling and I felt so lost and that's the reason that I wanted to start this whole thing and get the conversation rolling more is because I just think it's you have to talk about this stuff absolutely crazy not to so you guys started trying again and I think you said it was about six months of trying like did you start seeing a specialist at that point or were you we started trying again and our doctor in LA who I love so much he was basically like Dr. Wong no because that was a fertility doctor okay and he's he is an exception of course I know okay his name keeps popping up with LA people yes it's funny but this is just my gyno because at this point I was just with a gyno and He was like, "Oh, you've got pregnant. You got pregnant twice within, you know, three, four months right. each time. You'll right. be fine. Just, fine. just go for it." Yeah. So one month goes by, two months go by, three, four, five months go by, and at this point, it was it was really frustrating yeah. because um, I I wasn't pregnant, and, right. and I had really it had been a year now since I had first started trying right. between the miscarriage and uh-huh. healing from the miscarriage, so. We took it to the next step, and okay. we went to see a fertility doctor mm-hmm. who advised us to start IUIs. Mm-hmm. They said, you guys are super healthy. You've had a healthy baby. Right. We don't see there is an issue mm-hmm. at all. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's just something blocking that um, an IUI can solve. Mm-hmm. 
Was there other stuff that you tried? Like, did you do acupuncture at that point? At or? that point, no. I was other, like, so... I'm not an over... I'm not really a wellness girl. Okay. And I'm not spiritual. Okay. I'm very, like, matter of fact. Okay. So... Interesting. I, I didn't take any alternative paths. I was just like... I was just like, I'm going to stay calm and I'm going to stay stress-free and, you know, drink water and work out and just be me, do okay. what I normally do. Yeah. And when this is meant to be, it'll be. And how was everything with you and your husband? Like, were you guys, get, like, getting along? Or Like, sometimes this is really hard on a marriage. It was yes. hard on mine, and I've talked about that a lot. It, I think, um, we were getting along great. I think the only issue was that I was so much more frustrated than he was, and I felt such a need to take it to the next step sooner than mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. I think he... Um, he doesn't run to doctors quickly. He loves to just self-solve things. Okay. And I believe in doctors and I want answers quicker. So yeah. I was ready to take the next step. And he said, okay, just one more month of trying. Just one more month. And that was always frustrating for me. Okay. So then you went, you moved on to the IUIs. And I, how did that whole thing go? It went very wrong. Like... Okay. The IUI, again, almost brings me back to how I didn't like the ovulation testing kits, Mm -hmm. how exact and matter of fact. And the problem with the IUIs for us was, of course, since they make you do it within, you know, a few hour window on the exact day you're ovulating with the shot and then come back 10 hours later. And my husband travels so much for work Mm -hmm. and I... I'm all over the place too for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'm just, it's not easy for me to be exactly in one place at one time. Right. We had so much trouble doing, physically getting the IUIs, like physically, like logistically, like logistically okay. doing it. Like like I remember yeah. one time the doctor says, okay, tomorrow morning is go time. So I'm going to give you the trigger shot right now. And right. my husband was in like Cincinnati for work and he was supposed to be flying back at 7am the next morning, but he, his, his schedule with work is always up in the air until he's actually physically in right. that seat on the flight. So I'm calling him and calling him at the doctor's office saying, should they give me this trigger shot right now? Are you going to be home tomorrow oh, morning? That's Promise so me. And he's not picking up. And, and the doctor's like standing there with the shot waiting oh to God. give it to me. And I'm like, I can't guarantee you my husband's even going to be home tomorrow morning right. to make this happen. Oh, wow. That was one time. Another time we were f- the the day that the implantation of the IUI was supposed to happen, we conveniently were flying to New York at like 10 a.m. in the morning. So we pushed our flight back to 4 p.m. so we could get the IUI done at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're not supposed to fly three hours after you have an IUI. That's just, that's not relaxing. Right. Like, that's stressful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Unless Every, you're on, like, a PJ or something. Yeah, and unfortunately, like we weren't. Your legs up no, yeah. we weren't. So... <laughs> It's like every time we had an IUI, it was just not in the cards for us. Okay. We were trying way too hard yeah. to schedule it, right. and it was not on our side. Okay, so then it did work at some point, We though, did right? six. So we did six, okay. which so many stuff, some doctors say do two. So I don't know. I regret it. I regret it so much because anything infertility related is expensive. Right. And our insurance doesn't cover yeah. anything, and yeah. I wish we could take back those six months of IUI costs and mm-hmm. stress mm-hmm. and have gone straight to IVF, but mm-hmm. we weren't we weren't ready to go to IVF yet. Okay. We didn't realize we were 
IVF people. Right. Yes. Yeah, you wrote about that, and I thought that was another really interesting perspective. You said that you weren't an IVF girl. So mm-hmm. I never thought that I was either. Like, I didn't know anything about IVF, and I was like, oh, that's just for people that want to have multiples. Or yes. Like, Octomom. Or, yeah, I or was pick so their gender or yeah. their genetic. So I didn't consider myself one. I never, ever, ever in a million years would have guessed that I would have done that at some point. So tell me about your take on that. So we, we do our sixth IUI, and we, this was a, um, a medicated IUI. So that IUI stuck, and we were only pregnant for six weeks with that. Uh, okay. we, we never heard the heartbeat. But that last IUI and that last miscarriage definitely changed my perspective. That was my breaking point. Mm-hmm. I spoke to many women who have done IVF, and I said, like, when was the morning you woke up? And you finally admitted to yourself that you're going to do IVF. To me, it took six IUIs and it took that next miscarriage to admit it. So Mm -hmm. that's the morning I became an IVF girl. An IVF girl. So then what happened? Did you... So it was almost a huge relief because I was like, finally, I'm ready to take another step. And I'm tired of waking up every month and just banking on fate. Like, I want to take this, take it, take it into hands. a scientist's and a doctor's hands. Okay, so then when you guys started, you said that nobody talks to each other in the waiting rooms, and mm-hmm. I remember that too. It was like this sea of people, and no one's making eye contact, and you didn't either, so tell me a little bit more about that. I Throughout the whole process, I had such like overwhelming positivity because I was so convinced that my process would be easy. Uh With IUIs, I thought it would happen right away. With IVF, I thought it would happen right away. Mm -hmm. And I like to stay in the positive, and I felt that I was, you're just surrounded by so many women in those, in the waiting room, especially early in the morning, everyone's doing their shots and waiting for the results and the blood work. And I just, like, I could look around, and especially seeing the age disparity, you could sort of calculate what's going on. Like, there are some maybe older women who are there who have been maybe doing this for a while, Mm -hmm. and there are some young girls who are there who are maybe freezing their eggs by themselves. Like, you can kind of create these stories, which could be totally false. Right. it it was it helped yeah and it it just kind of made me realize like wow I'm gonna go in too deep if I start just sharing stories with all these women it's gonna it's not going to keep my mind on track of like staying positive and having this be my one and only time Mm -hmm. in this room okay you also talk about how IVF was kind of like a game to you and like how the shots were fun which made me yeah. laugh because I was like, okay, this is not the your average perspective on the shots. But I love that. And again, going back to your positivity, mm-hmm. like, you know, you said that you and your husband really bonded over this and, like, would laugh hysterically. So tell me about that. It was a game to me. It was ridiculous the way that they give you a pink piece of paper with so many medical terms and ounces and fluids I don't even remember the terms and they're like okay just do it and if you have questions YouTube it and they don't even give you like a specific verified right. YouTube they're like just find like yeah, some just, chick on YouTube that it. Yeah. that um you know it's that you relate to so <laughs> it was wild that and yet you know so many people do it right. so you're like okay if everyone's doing this then I'm going to do it. Right, but they make it seem like the margin of error is so small, right? Oh, it's like if absolutely. you don't do this and if you spill this and absolutely. you're so nervous, like, mixing the stuff together and, like... 
Yeah. So it was it a game in that sense. Yeah. Like it was like, okay, there there are instructions and you have to do it right. Right. And I mean, I remember the first night, of course, once again, you know, my husband's traveling for business. My first night of shots, he was not here. So I called my friend and she helped me. And we're just like watching this YouTube video over and over again. And then all of a sudden it was our turn to actually do it and to mix the solutions and to stick the needles into me. It was crazy. It is crazy. Completely crazy. crazy crazy It's allowed. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, that shouldn't be allowed. Like, you should have to have a degree to stick well, yourself. You know the cla- that class where you learn how to, like, do all that? The class was very interesting because my... So they give you a fake belly, and then they give you real needles. And like, oh, I didn't get a fake belly in my yeah. class. Okay. They give you a fake belly with real needles and maybe, like, a, a fake solution to put in the mm-hmm. needles and to inject into the belly. So first I try it and I'm like, okay, this is weird. I got this. (laughs) And then my husband's like, all right, I'm going to try this. And my husband goes to inject the belly with the, with the needle. And instead he, he injects his finger. Okay. Oh my God. So that was like the start. I was like, wait, you just, you actually just missed the belly and you injected your finger. (laughs) With the fake solution, you're never. You're not. A you're not. You're never giving me my shots. Like that's crazy. So I. So it started off with me doing my own shots for about three, four nights. Okay. And then I, I he would always be there. He was he was the ice pack guy. He was the right. pass this, pass that, throw this needle away, and right. he was absolutely there the whole time. And finally, night three or four, I kind of gave up the control a little and I said I really want you to be a bigger part of this I want this to be something that we both remember and that Mm. like you can look back and remember doing for me to help me so I released control and I let him start doing my shots and starting on that night was when we just started having so much fun with it. Yeah were there any other mishaps did he like? (laughs) No mishaps after that I think like that was his his one and only moment. Yeah. (laughs) I mean towards the end he would do you remember like the progesterone in the butt like so those like the, yeah. uh, those needles I, are... I did all mine myself my husband didn't administer. he was there but yeah. like, he didn't do any of the shooting up well the the shots in the butt are like like the needles are big yes. and the shots are intense yeah. and he would like he would be he would say like this one's for you, you know, not sharing your ice cream with me last night, just like, shh, just like slam it into my yes. mouth. It would be just dying laughing. Like, it's just, it's really hilarious. I love when you that. Think about that. So you said that at this point you did start to do acupuncture, right? And, and yes. So actually the acupuncture started around IUI number four. Okay. Like four months into okay. in being in the infertility, you know, doctor world. I, I, I'd never done acupuncture. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not like a wellness mm-hmm. girl, but at this point I wanted to test the waters mm-hmm. of just dipping into things that could help. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to, to, to have a million um, special concoctions of multivitamins that like you read about or change my diet completely. I wasn't ready to do that, but acupuncture seemed easy enough for mm-hmm. me to commit to once a week. Mm-hmm. And I think you wrote also that you never read like a study that said that it was like a negative or not going to. So exactly. Why, because why you ask your doctors and right. they basically, I, you know, I asked my doctor, I say, okay, I read that you're not supposed to eat gluten and dairy and, and sugar and alcohol and 
that's literally my entire diet, and that's what makes me happy. And <laughs> I'm confused because you're telling me to ch- completely change my body, but I'm me. Like, I don't know. I just, that's just who I am. Like, yeah. I love my wine, and I love my desserts, and I'll try to modify it, but... Yeah. So when you ask them all these questions, they really keep science and wellness separate, and they're mm-hmm. like, you don't have to do that. And it's up to you to decide if you yeah. want to take that approach. Yeah, I remember my doctor at one point said, I said, should I not be drinking at all? And he said, you know what? Stress is actually harder on your body than alcohol mm-hmm. in moderation. So if you're going to be stressed out that you're at a wedding and you can't have a glass of wine, have the glass of wine because yeah. the stress is worse. And I was like... I will subscribe to that theory. Like, yeah, and that makes sense to me. Okay, so tell me about the retrieval and the transfer. And so the retrieval went well. I um, I wasn't expecting it. It's it's not a big surgery, but it it is. You're put under. You're wheeled away with your little shower cap thing on your head and your and your Your socks and socks and your gown and. You're in a room with, like, four... I don't even know why there's, like, four people looking over you, like, what all of their roles are. But it shocked me with how much more intense it was than I was expecting it to be. Mm -hmm. But the retrieval went well. We got... We were expected to get six eggs, and we got nine. Okay. So it was nice that the doctor kept my expectations a little lower, Mm -hmm. and so I was a little happier with the results. Right. Going into it, I was upset because he told me I was only going to have six, and I heard my friends who had 20 and 30 and these ridiculous numbers, mm-hmm. but nine I was very happy with. Mm-hmm. We had always planned for a fresh transfer, okay. which is something that uh, not a lot of people do mm-hmm. because um, in a fresh transfer, you cannot test the embryos. Okay. You can't test them for genetic testing mm-hmm. or for gender or anything. So. Mm-hmm. If you're going about a fresh transfer, it's m- most likely in a case like mine where they think that everything is healthy enough inside and they're just banking on the best looking embryo to be healthy. Right. In a fresh transfer case, you have your uh, your transfer three to five days after your retrieval. Mm-hmm. So the whole process is very, very quick. Right. Okay. So my fresh transfer was five days after my retrieval okay. and what did they say about your embryo I remember you they said it was like the most beautiful embryo they had ever seen and I'm just <laughs> were you like you say that to all the I'm girls. just I need to know like who, how many other people they've said that to <laughs> it would be interesting because, to find out I didn't get that wow so. okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> So then tell me what happened. So you had the transfer. So we had this, so the morning of the transfer, I did a double acupuncture okay. as uh, advised by my acupuncturist. I did acupuncture about two hours before the transfer and then about three hours or four hours after. So who knows if that helped, but I'll take yeah, it and I'll suggest know. it to everyone. Yep. Um, certainly didn't hurt. Yes. And I, I didn't test for the pregnancy you know, starting in day three, four, five, six, like I really waited it out. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be disappointed with mm-hmm. the result by testing too early. Yep. So I waited until the exact amount of days they said to test, which was, I forget if it was 10 or 14, whatever yeah. it was. And that morning I tested and I got, I got the positive. I ran right into, uh, to get the blood work yeah. and everything from there, the numbers were good. Yeah. And I just felt like that was the one. Yeah, I just it felt did. different than the yeah, other. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I really did. Okay, 
And then you started calling this your science baby. Which She's I my love. science baby. So, and yeah. we should tell people you are pregnant right now yes. with this science baby and you're due soon. Due in three weeks with science baby. Oh my gosh. Her name has been science baby from the start. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, it's... I'm so proud to be part of the IVF community, something yeah. I never thought I would be a part of. And right. it's an amazing community of women yeah. and men. Mm-hmm. Any husband or partner in any sense who has been along on the journey just gets it. Mm-hmm. And I feel really just honored to be a yeah. part of this. And you're literally incredible. glowing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're like have you. the biggest grin on your Thank face. You. How is Sunday feeling about becoming a big sister? I think it was written in the stars that we were supposed to wait this long for a baby because she is now th- three, close, okay. closer to three and a half, and she gets it all. She is so excited. She talks to my belly. She yeah. sets up corners in the apartment for like... Um, baby to sleep and eat and play oh. with her toys and yeah she told she told me yesterday I asked her what she wants to be be when she grows up and she says I want to take care of baby sister like oh. she's she, I think this is uh, this is our this is our family yes. how we we're meant to have it oh and I love that it's still it's still such a you know a small age gap in the yeah in the scheme of things right um so really it still is everything I hoped for yeah so one more thing that you wrote was that you you said, I hope this story inspires some, but I know it might frustrate some too, but this is my tale. Why did you think that it might frustrate people? I think my IVF story is like a really beautiful, positive, quick IVF story. Okay. I mean, from the first needle to the last needle, you you couldn't have had a shorter IVF. I'm not talking okay. about everything that happened before. Right. I'm talking about strictly IVF and needles. Yeah. I think all in all, the whole process, I don't know, you know, eight, nine to 12 weeks, mm-hmm. I'll have to really calculate it, but my, I had one retrieval, one transfer that happened five days after my retrieval, mm-hmm. I was in and out, mm-hmm. and it worked the first time. Yeah. And I have many friends where that's not the case. Right. But you still went through it. I mean, I don't I know. I you know, but you... I think it's really frustrating when you... It when you've e- been easy through many retrievals sure. or many transfers right. and you hear stories where it happens right away. I, I felt frustrated when I heard friends who had the first IUI right. that, that right. worked. Yeah. No, and then I, I had that. six that didn't work. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have empathy for people that are absolutely because I have such a big IVF community that I have like personal relationships now. Right. Through my Instagram, since I've been so open about it on Instagram, I've made amazing friends with people I know and people I don't know. Right. And yeah, yeah, some of of these women still, it hasn't hit for them. Right. I I just think that staying positive is really your your only friend in this scenario because once you go down a negative path, it's really hard to lift yourself back up. And, uh, I don't know. I I also think my biggest advice is for anyone else in the world to stop asking people when they're getting pregnant because that was the hardest thing for me is when someone would ask me, when are you giving Sunday a little brother or sister? Right. It killed me to keep a smile on my face and just right. say, oh, maybe soon, when they had no idea yeah. what I was going through. Yeah, people don't know what other people are going through. You're yeah. so right. You're so right. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm thank so happy you so for you much. guys. Thank I can't you. Wait to see pictures of this little girl and thank you so much I wish much. you the best of luck with the delivery and everything thank and you I, I really love the positive attitude I think it's so inspiring and so awesome so thank and I know you everybody so listening will appreciate it too great so thank you thanks hey again so that was El Shane I want to thank her so much for having me over to her home and for sharing her story with us. I also want to remind you guys to hook your girl up and go to the podcast page, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff so we can keep this going and get even more people listening. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time.